come down on us. Uh, we, we hope that we can enjoy it, but then also uh, have a respite, have a break, have a rest from, uh, from the sickness and the worries and the, the troubles that are all around us. We pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. So something strange has, uh, has happened to me with two of my friends lately, and it's made me have a lot of questions about work. One of my friends, uh, his name is Kevin, and he was a guy who was a pretty good business guy. Uh, he, he's a good business runner. He started two businesses in his life. He's very well educated. Uh, he speaks multiple languages. And it was interesting because at one point in his life, and I was kind of part of that with him, uh, he really took a lot of steps towards public ministry uh, as kind of a side job. He, he started preaching almost every week uh, in a little church. Uh, he took people through the basics of the Christian faith, and he, he discipled them. He, he led them to get baptized. Uh, and he would run classes or at least organize classes and help provide materials for the, for the Sunday school kids. You know, so here's a guy who started out a lot in business and then he, he went into ministry, public ministry quite a bit. And then the, fun, the thing, the weird thing is lately is he's been stepping back. He, he, he's, he's not preaching anymore. He kind of left his church. Uh, and he's, he's not running Sunday schools. He's not introducing people to Jesus in, in his life as much. And so he, he reads his Bible and he talks with his kids and that's, that's kind of it. The other friend I have, his name is Luke, and he has recently been asked to serve in the, the public ministry. It's interesting, though, for him because he, uh, he's not as, as well-educated. He's not as good of a, a business guy. He worked in a factory, and then he became kind of a, a manager in the factory, a team leader in the factory. He didn't rise up very high, but lately uh, he's been asked to serve uh, publicly on behalf of other Christians and to share the gospel. Uh, and, and he's going to be teaching, he's developing materials, he's leading groups with kids. It's a really a, a neat thing to see in him. And it, but it makes me think all kinds of questions. You know, which ones do I encourage? Which one is doing a good thing? Uh, is, is one of them doing a bad thing? Who, who do I say what to? Right? And this is an incredibly practical question, isn't it? Uh, you know, I, we all have questions about our work and the value of it, the worth of it, is serving worth more than managing? Is managing worth more than church work? Is church work worth more than owning and running a business? And maybe especially in a, a year like this where so much of our work has changed, we ask even more questions. What should I be doing with my work? And is my work worth it? And today, God wants to, to say to you and I, we can have work that's worth it. And I can't promise you that you'll always feel like the work you do is worth it. But I, I can promise you that you'll do work that's worth it, at least. Jesus here is, is speaking and, and acting. This is right after his baptism. That's a great event that we got to see last week. He hears this call from God, you're my son. He gets tested, he gets tempted, is he able to do the work? He passes the test, and he starts out on his job. He's, he's preaching. So one of the first things he does as he begins this work is he calls other people to be part of it with me. Come follow me. That's an easy way to describe the Christian faith or the Christian religion. You know, you and I, we can say, I believe in Jesus as my Savior and Lord. Or like Jesus here, we can say, I'm a follower of Jesus. I follow Jesus. He doesn't leave it at that, though, does he? he? He takes it and he says, come follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. 
Very literally, uh, and maybe you remember this, it, it says, I will make you fishers. I will make you fishers, huh? That's good for the, the fisher people among us. Makes us feel good. We love fishing. But I, if this is worth noticing, isn't it? Jesus doesn't go to the synagogue and ask for students. He doesn't find rabbis who are, are so good at knowing the Bible. He, he doesn't look for some legal scribes who could jump in. He finds workers. He finds normal, everyday working people. We know Jesus has 12 disciples. At least seven of them, we know just from the Bible, we know that they were, they were just workers, everyday workers. Uh, and we suspect that the other ones were as well. And Jesus takes these workers, and I, I realize right that he asks them to leave the day-to-day -day work that they're doing, and yet you can see, if you look through the Gospels, they never gave up fishing. There were plenty of times where they went back, and we see that they were still on the lake. Jesus takes these workers, and he says, your work is good. Let me just help you work for God. Let me make your work more worth it. Now, this is a, an incredible thing in the ancient world, and we should realize this. All right, take Greek culture, for example. Greek culture, Greek society. The Greek society said that to be unemployed was good and fortune because it allowed a person to participate in the life of contemplation. Greek society said in the most nobly constituted state, the citizens must not live a mechanic or a mercantile life or be tillers of the soil. Right, so if you lived in the, the Greek world, the ideal was to not be a farmer, a business person, a trade person, or uh, somebody who fixed and built things. One historian, in fact, summarizes the traditional picture of work saying, work was considered a defect. Can you believe that? Now, some of you probably say, hey, actually, that sounds kind of good. <laughs> I wouldn't mind giving up my work. I wouldn't mind giving up all of my work, in fact. Would that be wonderful? Uh, but that's kind of the point, isn't it? Is that God never talks like that. God never says that. Uh, if you go to, the, to the very, one of the very first passages in the Bible, after God made the world, he says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. Now, when God made people, he says, work, cultivate the world. Your life can be filled with work, and that's worth it, every minute of it. Uh, or here's the Apostle Paul. He says, brothers and sisters, each person responsible to God should remain in the situation they were when God called them. That's Paul. And he, he's actually speaking about people in, who are, some are slaves, some are uh, just day laborers, and, and some are aristocrats. And he says, look, you don't have to change the spot, the, the calling that you have in life. Whatever the work you have is, stick with it. That's okay. You can do any of those things. Because as Jesus is saying here, is he's, he's saying, I'll make you fishers of people. I can take your work, whatever it is, and I can change it for the good of God's kingdom. Let's get to that work, to the, to the work of God's world. See, this is our first point today, that then the care to follow, the call, excuse me, the call to follow Jesus is a call to cultivate the world. If you're following along in our service folder and you want to fill that in, you can see there's a, a spot for that there. You can fill that in and say the call to follow is also a call to cultivate our world. 
God wants you to believe in him for sure, and he also wants you to, to cultivate, to, to develop the world right where you are. He's going to use you for that. Isn't that a cool thing? Isn't that great? I think that's pretty awesome. You know, God, let me tell you this story. There was a man, uh, there was a man who enjoyed observing an addition that was going on at a mall. You know this is an old story just from that, right? When was the last time you saw a mall getting added on to? They're all getting ripped down these days, huh? Well, anyway, so the addition is getting put on this mall, and, and he enjoys watching the addition get put on the mall because he enjoys watching this. Uh, there's a very conscientious operator of a large uh, piece of equipment. I don't remember if it was a backhoe or a, a scraper or what it was, but there was a cool piece of, of equipment there. Well, the day finally came then when uh, this man had a chance to tell the operator, hey, I really enjoy watching your very scrupulous and conscientious work. And the operator replied, what, you're not the boss? His work, he thought, was worth it because he was getting watched. Right? He, he felt like that work that he was doing scraping the, the, the ground, digging up the hole, whatever it was, was worth it and valuable because the boss was watching. You know, and, and so many of us don't feel like our work is worth it. And maybe this is why. For example, Immanuel Kant, it doesn't really matter his name, but a couple hundred years ago, he spent a lot of time arguing, we've got math and science and the world of facts down here, and then the spiritual world is up here, and that's where our values and, and our God stuff is. And the, the two don't come together. Don't let the boss into your working life. right? Or the religious teachers in the 1800s said, you've got your sacred stuff, and then you've got all of your secular stuff. And God's up here, and make sure you got the God stuff good, but don't worry about God in your working life. And you know, this, this gets into every part of our lives. I was sitting in a room one time with a number of people who were running a Christian school, and the Christian principal was describing for us the mission and the vision of the school, and he said, we teach all the secular subjects in light of God's word. Now, that was a nice thing for, for him to say. But I said to him, wait a second, are you sure you want to say secular subjects? Right? I mean, last time I checked, we think God gave us math too. The Pythagorean theorem is a pretty awesome testimony to the, the, the wisdom of God. The fine-tuning of the universe is a really awesome testimony to the work of God. Isn't, isn't it true that all of these things have value from God? Right? Work's not worth it if the supervisor, if the boss isn't, isn't with you, isn't watching. And I see this in my kids all the time. You probably do as well. Right? If I give them a job, we, my, my wife and I, we, we talk about this plenty. I'm, I'm a hands-offy kind of manager. I'm the guy who sits down on Saturday morning and says, okay, kids, we've got to get these five things done today. Ready? Go. And she says to me, you can't just give them a list like that. They can't handle it. But if the boss isn't watching... And, it, and I see it as soon as I walk out of the room. Do you think they get the work done? No, of course not, right? Uh, if the boss isn't watching, is the work worth it? That's what Jesus has to say. He says, look, I am, I am not just watching. I'm with you on this work. 
And that makes the work worth it. You know, one of the coolest things in this lesson, I love it at the end, because Jesus says to these men, follow me and I'll make you fishers. They don't argue. They just leave their business and their livelihood and they go with him. And, and like I said, I know that they come back. We see them fishing other times, so it's not like they, they totally gave it up. But you have to realize in a traditional society, sons don't do this. Sons don't abandon their fathers to the work. And yet that's what they did. They did it because they saw how awesome Jesus was at his work. And I think they did it even more because they, they knew something from the start. They knew how special this guy was. He was not just a, a man. He was God in human flesh. And yet he had abandoned, he had left his father's place to come to this world. And he would be abandoned by his father so that you and I would never be abandoned in our work. On the cross, Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, right? He, he, he seems that he's abandoned in his work and, and his work doesn't feel worth it anymore. Also that you and I, when we work, God can look at us and say, your work, every bit of it is perfect. It's good. Not because you're doing such great work, but because my son did perfect work on the cross and he was abandoned for you and your work. Right? And the more that you and I get to work with Jesus, the more that we see our work is, is with him and, and not for just for our families. That's fine. That's good, right? We work for our families to feed them. The more that we, we see our work is not just for our fulfillment, our personal satisfaction. That's another fine thing. The more that we see that our work is not just to make the world a better place, which is also a, a fine thing, but the more that we see our work is with the boss, the supervisor, who will never abandon us because his son was abandoned, the more our work will be worth it. Let me just give you a couple things as we close here so that you and I can do work that's worth it. Maybe you feel like your work is not really worth it, but here's, here's three tips I wanted to suggest, pass on to you for getting work that's, that's worth it, no matter what. You know, one, do work that develops or cultivates the world. Do work that, that cultivates this world. You know, there are some jobs in life that aren't good. <laughs> that's true, right? They're just not good jobs, not uh, morally good and right jobs. When Jesus sees the, the, the woman who lived in a, a sinful life, he says, go and sin no more. She can't do her job anymore. And, and Jesus didn't let Judas or Matthew stay as thieves and thieving tax collectors. But you know, almost every other job can be done in a way to develop and, and cultivate the world. And yet, if you think that your job is not developing the world, cultivating the world, it's going to be really hard to find satisfaction, meaning in that job. It's going to be hard to feel like that work is worth it. So find a job that, that lets you develop and cultivate the world. Get a job that satisfies you. Second thing, do work that, that satisfies you. You know, you can take this way too far. Right? We can say, I work so that I can feel good about myself. I have a sense of personal satisfaction. Uh, but we can also say, I just work to feed my family. That's it. It doesn't make me sad, happy. It doesn't satisfy me at all. 
There's a middle ground. Do work that satisfies you. Solomon said, a person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their toil. Right? So if you've got a job that both feeds people and satisfies you, that's a good thing. Thirdly, get a job, work everywhere. Don't just work for, for 40 hours a week or, or 60 hours a week, right? but work in, in politics, work in civic life, work with your neighbors, work in volunteer organizations. Work is a meaningful participation in cultivating the world. And there's, there's so many of us who, who put in our 40 or our 60 hours a week, and then we get into our neighborhoods and we say, I don't feel like I have a connection with my neighbors, I don't know my neighbors, and we're not, you know, we're not just in this together, but we're not actually working at it. Martin Luther had this kind of funny thing to say. He said, God himself will milk the cows through him whose vocation it is. He who engages in the lowliest of his work, lonely, lowliness of his work, performs God's work, whether he's a young boy or a king. The lowly, lowliness of his work. You know what that means, right? That means that no matter how lowly your work is, when you do it by faith, you participate in God's work. And that is work that's worth it. Let's pray for that. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for, for sending Jesus so that we can follow him, we can work with him in all of the work of life. And we pray that as we would work with him, that we would find our work is worth it. Forgive us for our dissatisfaction, our grumbling, and our heartaches. Yes, that's part of, of life. Work is hard, and sin makes these things hard and, and upsetting. Uh, and, and yet that doesn't mean it's okay to be dissatisfied and to grumble. Uh, we know that that's, that's sin. So we confess it, and we ask that you would purge it from our hearts and our lives so we can find satisfaction in the work that you put before us. We pray for this satisfaction, this, this joy, in the name of Jesus who worked for us. Amen.